Welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast, where we celebrate the unique life experiences that make us who we are. We're your hosts, Hannah and Rachel Vasicek, and every fortnight we'll be bringing to you a dose of inspiration and storytelling. Interviewing women across Australia and abroad who vulnerably and candidly share the depths of who they are. This podcast is brought to you by Francesca Jewellery. On today's episode of She Did It Too, we chat with the incredibly vibrant and true all-rounder Georgia Love. Now, you may know Georgia from The Bachelorette, but there is so much more to this girl than making a ridiculously good binge-worthy show. A lover of doing things to their fullest and never in half, Georgia has recently popped her toe in the deep end of entrepreneurship. Inviting us to get snuggly, Georgia has launched the must-have PJ label, Georgia Elliott. This interview surprised us in all the right ways, and the road Georgia has been down has been nothing short of eventful. With the good and the bad in tow, and a little batchy commentary, don't worry, Georgia ever so candidly shares her story with us. We are so excited to have her on the show today and can't wait for you to listen. Well, Georgia, welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast. We are so excited to have you on today and hear all things Georgia love, which there are so many different facets. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's so nice to see you girls. I just want to kind of like jump through the screen. I I miss it so much. I know. That'd be so nice. It'd be so nice to have you back in Tassie for a little while. Have you been back to Tassie since your whole Melbourne world exploded? Oh, absolutely. I I come back as often as I can, probably um, maybe every two or three months until obviously COVID. And now I haven't been since... November last year. That's been yeah, which is so long. I I wake up with a literal yearning yeah. to be in Hobart. There's just something about that place. So I lived in Launceston and Hobart, and I adore both of them. But there's just I don't know. There's just something about Hobart for me. I think a lot of it actually comes from that was the last place I lived before I went on Bachelorette, and mm. like everything changed and. Um, like, I don't know, it kind of in my mind, it's like the last place that everything was normal and calm and, you know, the world hadn't kind of blown up yet. Um, so I feel like it's my, it's my happy place. I love that. So how has been life in, in Melbourne and during lockdown? Oh God, terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I can't complain because I've, I've had so many distractions and it's been really a wonderful year for me kind of personally and professionally, but emotionally it's just a shit house. The first, the first lockdown, which is when we were all in it, right, there, it was there was something almost novel about yes. it. Like the whole world was in it together. The whole world has been so crazy and running around for so many years. It was like this collective sigh where everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe yeah. this is what we need. Maybe we need like two months of just stopping, reassessing what's important, all of that. And then by the time we came out of that, personally I almost felt a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. I was quite enjoying not doing anything on a weekend and I loved the time just sitting at home with my fiancé and all of this. So when we went back into lockdown, it was like, oh, it's going to suck, but it's all right. It's, you know, it's only six weeks. And now we're going into week 14. No one else in the world is in lockdown at the moment, let alone Australia. Everyone's looking at us like the dirty little cousins that no one wants to know. <laughs> We used to be that in Tassie. <laughs> we're used to it. We still are. <laughs> you feel me, girls. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really it's really sucked. And just everyone else going back to normal life and us having kind of no real um, end date to when we can. I just wish that someone would 
give us a date of yeah. when just we can like even just travel interstate I know things won't be normal for a long time but if someone could at least say you know even if it's March but in Mar- by March you'll be able to all travel interstate again it would just at least feel like you've got something to look forward to I think that's what's so hard about this whole time yeah, I have. Um, I've just started with like an NLP coach, and she had on the wall like this countdown, and she was doing big crosses for the six weeks. And I actually had a coaching session the day they found out that they were extending it, and she was devastated that she had to extend this like countdown. And it's one of those things that you know we have a we have a team in Melbourne and Hobart, and every time we you know we might post about something in Hobart, you know, because we have this freedom, it's awful because at the back of your head you're thinking you know like everyone in Melbourne doesn't have that like are we you know flaunting in front of them things like that so it's it's huge it's such a mental mind f yeah that's what it is but it's hard for you guys too like I think it's really unfair all the people from Melbourne asking other people not to talk about what they're doing in life like that's not very mm. allowed to have fun in your life just mm. yeah it is so true though I think that you know you said that other people can't really relate and you can't because I have literally tried to like I came back I live in Melbourne now but I came back in February and I've been through like my apartment being um packed up without me being there over FaceTime like so <laughs> hectic yeah but even and paying 10 months rent without yeah. being there oh, the rent I can't even fathom like I'm just like that's just like I can't, I can't think about it I came for two weeks and I was like to Hannah yeah I'm gonna come for two weeks and I kind of like started hearing about COVID and I was like, maybe I'll push it back a week. Maybe I'll push it back a month. And it was like, kept going. It was so funny, but crazy. Even talking to our friends over there, it's like you try and relate, but it's actually like, you know, we really can't. Oh, but then it's hard too because so um, the Tasmanian Premier announced just the other day a kind of, you know, um, we hope to be able to open the borders to these states on these dates and Victoria was 1st of December and I was like, it's actually quite sad how excited I was. I was jumping (laughs) out of my skin. I was like a kid and I got so excited. I know he was only saying, you know, it could hopefully be then, but I was like, Lee, let's book flights because we're getting married down there next (gasps) week. We haven't even been able to visit the venue or anything. You want to get married here? I told you I love Tassie. I'm not exaggerating. It's so best. Oh, I was like, oh my god, we're so excited, so excited. I put a little thing on Twitter, like, you know, oh. guys, it feels so realistic. I feel like I can taste the oysters already. Like, being yeah. God, the pile on that I got of people being like, we don't want you down here. Oh. Promise it. And how stupid are you to book a flight already? And I was like, oh my god, let me be happy for half a day. Just wow. Like, Ugh. You're joking. Oh, uh, that's crazy. Hey, gut one, if and when you're listening, you better open the borders by Tassie so, uh, by December so I can prove these trolls wrong. Yes. Yes, Peter Gutwin is definitely one of our listeners. <laughs> that blows my mind. Like, it's so funny because, you know, like if we had taken you back like 10 years, you could put up that status and not be fearful of any comment. And I guess, yeah, we're really interested. We were having a chat before. We're really interested in knowing about Georgia Love prior to Bachelor and, you know, um, what made you who you are up until that stage and then obviously we can we can fast forward to now yeah gosh um I don't really know how to answer what what (laughs) who I was um I've always been super super close to my family um 
who, who were in Melbourne. Um, and I, for as long as I remember, really have wanted to be a journalist. Um, I grew up with a family friend who was a Channel 10 news anchor here in Melbourne. And I just always looked at him and thought, like, you're so cool. That's so cool. You get to talk about the news all day, every day. <laughs> coolest job ever and everyone else were at you know 12 was going that sounds like a boring job I don't like thinking <laughs> that's the bears um so I think it's just kind of always in my in my head and in my path I knew really clearly what I wanted to do so um worked my butt off in year 12 to get into um a course that I thought was impossible to get into, which is journalism at RMIT. It's still impossible to get into. It's just stupid. But um, somehow managed to get myself into that, pushed through, worked really hard at uni as well because, again, I always saw that kind of imposter syndrome thing, right? It was like, oh, my God, I'm not good enough to be here. I have to prove myself. And then got to the end of the course, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm not good enough to, to get a job, but, like, I'll keep trying. Um and I got, yeah, my first job was in regional Victoria. It was a terrible job. I was, <laughs> I was writing the updates for a local news service. So I was literally just in a room with a computer and a phone. Um, and about five times a day, I just had to ring around all the contacts, like police, ambulance, some um, council, and just kind of say, like, anything happened? <laughs> sucked um my my paycheck's a journalist and I thought I was amazing for that I love it eventually I ended up um kind of making contacts and getting getting an on-camera job um so the the guy who offered it to me was the news director for Win TV Victoria and I was like oh my god that's the dream and he called me one day and he said I've got a job offer for you and I was like beside myself and he said um but it's in Launceston <laughs> sorry where's Launceston <laughs> Uh, so I didn't realise that Tasmania had been on the cards. Um, the job that I'd had in Regional Victoria, I'd driven home at like 5.01 every after, every Friday afternoon and then back up at 6am on a Monday morning. And um, all of a sudden this place called Launceston had a big bloody body of water in between all my, my um, safety nets and there. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I didn't look back. I obviously said yes to that and jumped on the spirit and came over to Tassie. And I thought I would be there for probably, you know, do the obligatory 12 to 18 months of working in regional TV and then move back to Melbourne. Um, and I fell head over heels in love with Tasmania and um, pretty well never looked back. I, I did two years um, with Win TV and Lonnie and then moved down to Hobart. Um, with, with Win TV as well, um, was incredibly fortunate to be, I think, a bit in the right place at the right time, but also, you know, impressing the right people and um, maybe being somewhat good enough for, at my job that um, I got the, the weekend presenter role. I did that for 18 months and then um, got the, the weekday newsreader job, which just still blows my mind, even though that was five years ago now it just still blows my mind that that happened because I'm like that's just it was my literal dream job and I got that when oh. I was 26 years old just just yeah amazing it is incredible and I still remember seeing you on our tv screens and it's just <laughs> so funny I'm like oh Georgia now you're on the bachelor but imagine if you told yourself as a younger, you know, Georgia that at 26 you would be a weekday news presenter like what would you have said so I'm, I'm someone that I really believe in, um, like gratitude and kind of, and, and mindfulness of being in the moment. So I never one day in that job took it for granted ever. Wow. Every single day I went to work, I consciously thought 
imagine telling 13-year-old Georgia this. This is so freaking cool. Like, this is my dream job. Um, and I genuinely loved every single day, every oh, single day, which is what I love it. So hard to make the decision um, to leave when I did because I, love, I loved that job so much. That's so incredible. And you spoke a little bit about imposter syndrome. And I feel like (laughs) Hannah and I have totally been there, like both of us, but mostly me. Like I've really struggled with imposter syndrome in the past. But for our listeners, like how did you overcome that Mm. when, you know, you knew that you had that dream to be on TV and do your passion, but how did you overcome the whole, like, am I good enough? Um, I don't know if I did overcome it. I just Mm. kind of told myself you know, that someone, someone thinks I am, someone's given me this job and I'll lose it if I'm not good enough. So I've just got to step up, you know, mm-hmm. and again, that kind of gratitude and, and thinking every day, like I get to be here, hundreds, thousands of people want this job. I know that cause I w- wanted it for so long. Um, and you've got it. So you better make the most of this and enjoy it and be grateful that you're here. I, there's not, there's not a lot more than I hate that when someone's got something really good, whether that's a job, whether that's a partner, um, you know, whether that's a, a home, um, and they're, they're wishing for more, they're doing the, the um, if then scenario. Mm-hmm. You heard about the if yep. then, yeah. Yep. If I had a better job then I would be happy yeah um, we were talking about this last week um so yeah the, the um happy when context yeah. and it's like at what point do you you know do you say wow I'm content like this is mm. this is it that is so weird because I was literally thinking about gratitude on the way here to Hannah's house this morning in the car and I was just like everyone's on like a treadmill of like the future and constantly looking for like what's next but like rather than slowing down and being present being like wow this is what I have now yeah and be grateful for it all right to to want to look forward to things too I think that gets Mm. as well people like but I, I still want to strive for the next job or I still want to strive for a better home. You can do that too, but also sit in what you've got and, and say, you know, this mm. is pretty great too. And, you know, five years ago I would have killed to have what I've got now. Mm. You know what I really laugh about and it's so funny because like COVID forced everyone to stop as you said and like I still laugh because my husband and I when COVID hit we randomly started playing like board games and card games every night right (laughs) and then it it happened for like about three weeks and then I just now I reflect back and I'm like nothing had changed like in terms of our nights like the TV (laughs) was still there the internet was still there and yet we were sitting That's down. So true. Like really, I was thinking about it last night, and I'm like, it shouldn't take a world per- pandemic for for a thing for people to breathe, and it shouldn't take you know like us maybe losing a job or losing a partner to then realize, oh wow, I should have been happy. Like, what is it that stops us from sitting in like that gratitude? I think it's just the fast pace of the world, and hopefully yeah. it has changed that a little bit. Um, yeah. well, I know, I, I suppose we all want it to, but probably time will tell if it does. But I think, look, I think that the, the good side of Melbourne being in lockdown for so long is I do think Melburnians will feel that a bit more just because mm. we've, we've stuck, we've been stuck in it rather um, longer. You kind of, not even so much the gratitude side of it, but little things like, you know, you realise who you miss, you realise what you miss mm. and you realise the people that, you can keep in touch with 
just by a phone call and that you don't need to desperately go out and pack every night of your schedule with dinner with a different person. Like your friendships aren't going to fade if you can't go and see them at the pub. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's made us realise a lot more of that. Yeah, like and the things that have, you know, have come away from your day-to-day that you're okay with. So I was almost like envis- envisaging, you know, like uh, an animal that's stuck inside their crate because of the door and yet when you open the door, often they're happy and content to sit in there anyway. It's just yeah. the, it's the, it's the forced closure. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we were even discussing this, our Melbourne store has been um, closed most of the year and we actually don't know when we open, if we're going to be busy or slow, are people going to relish the fact that they have this family time that they never had before and things like that. So it's, oh man, it's, 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 it's exciting that, you know, we're starting to think of these things, but um, we're, we've gone off track a little bit. Um, the news was that I'm really, so like you worked your butt off to get to that place like you really did and often people don't see the the lead up to those things I know with business like through this podcast we've started to stress like it is not an overnight success it is like up and down and all around like it's so much hard work but um like what was the defining moment for you that made you pivot Oh God! In in which career? <laughs> no, well, when you were in Tassie, for example, like twenty six, living your dream, to then be like, um, I'm going to go on the Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. But <laughs> I, I never, I never would have thought to that myself. As I said, I just adored my job, and I was just, um, you know, I was, I was super settled there. I kind of always had in the back of my mind, I'd probably move back to Melbourne one day. Um, but that was almost even more of a, you know, I don't know, maybe when I have a family, something I was still. I was so happy there. Um, and then I got a phone call sitting in the Wynn News office one day um, from a producer from Warner Brothers casting. Um, and I thought oh, it was goosebumps. I know. I thought it was a prank. So I kind of wrote down this girl's name and kind of went along with it and then Googled her afterwards. I was like, oh, shit, no, she is a, she's a casting director from Warner Brothers. Um, so she said that, that um, they – Basically, in their casting, they'd put out, like, the kind of person they were looking for and they'd said they wanted someone who's, like, you know, quite community-oriented and um, is involved in their community, maybe does, like, charity work but is, you know, a normal person. And somebody... Normal person. <laughs> yeah, well, deliberately they know. But, yeah, somebody in Tassie put my name forward um, and said, oh, I think our newsreader kind of sounds like... Um, you know, one of those kind of people. So they called me and said, would you be interested? And I was like, I mean, sure, we can talk about it. Um, I always laugh that the funniest part of that is that, like, people knew I was obviously single, which is really (laughs) so How did they know that the newsreader was that single? <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm like, some people could take that the wrong way for sure. <laughs> Look, it has been suggested to me multiple times that I go on The Bachelorette and I'm like, guys, come on. Yeah. So I kind of went along with it going, this is obviously never going to happen, but won't this be a funny story to tell oh. that I went through the process? Um, and then while this kind of whole process was going on, my mum was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and that was obviously a massive shock and um and it sounds so cliche and I hate that it does but cliches are cliches for a reason right it changed my thinking on everything and my perception on everything all of a sudden I wasn't in this 
amazing job in this amazing city with beautiful new friends who weren't my family, all of a sudden I was across the Bass Strait from my mum. I was across the Bass Strait from everything I knew at home and my safety blankets and my family. Um, All of a sudden I didn't have a partner to help me through what potentially could happen and, you know, did happen that my mum passed away and, you know, all these cliches even like, well, mum's got dad, what have I got? I've put my job first always, I don't have a partner. You know, I want some, what if something happens to me and I don't have a partner to go through it with? Um, All these kind of cliches played out in my head and, um I thought to, I suppose, take it a bit more seriously. Um, so I kind of kept going with the with the application process, I guess you call it, and um, they picked me for some still unknown reason. Oh Talk God. about the syndrome, my Lord. <laughs> yeah, okay. so then it, it was full throttle. I couldn't tell anyone um, what I was doing, uh, especially because I worked for a TV network. You're like, bye, I'm going. Yeah. So I literally finished, I read my last news bulletin. I finished work at 7 p.m. on a Friday night and I flew up to Sydney at 6 a.m. the next day and started filming. And, and they literally didn't know what you were doing? No, no. So I called, like, my two best friends um, and, I mean, it's Tassie, so there's always, like, rumors yeah. lie, right? So um, I should have written down what some of the rumours were because I was... Oh, I remember. I remember because like, towards... I remember the rumours, actually, and when, when it sort of started coming through, we were like, oh, there's a Tasmanian girl and the Bachelorette, blah, blah, blah. It's really funny. But how say to your workplace like sorry guys I can't tell you why but I'm Bye, going Felicia. So I said that I had another television opportunity um because I actually had to break my contract I was in a fixed contract so I couldn't just say like you know I'm, I've decided to move back to Melbourne I, I said I've got another TV opportunity um for contract. I can't tell you about it tell you about and I think that's kind of where the rumors started from because uh, then I kind of publicly the rumors started that they had picked their bachelorette and um what I love about this is it's so Tasmanian because <laughs> people are like oh hang on there's a new bachelorette and Georgia Love's just quit win it must be her it's like Tasmanian like of course it's not her but it was <laughs> we literally I swear that's happened so many different times where like people have like yeah guessing. it's, it's really just funny. so small and everyone kind of like comes together with with their pieces of the puzzle yeah to try and figure it all out and it's just sometimes they get it so wrong but also sometimes it's real this time it was real and I was like oh be ridiculous <laughs> what, what what um really gets me is like you say cliche but this shift in values um I'm kind of like I've been sort of dwelling on that lately in terms of like I don't go to the gym and whatever I do I'll put everything in like in in front of going to the gym but like the shifting of that values for you regardless of the bachelorette probably would have happened right yes oh absolutely and that's always looked at bachelorette as this kind of um like savior I suppose um it would have been a really really tough decision for me to have to decide to leave Hobart to come back to be with my mum. I don't know at what point I would have made that decision mm-hmm. um, and I would have been then leaving, you know, to no job and it would have been a really sad reason to leave rather than something that was exciting. Um, so I do look at that as, as I've always said this about my life, that 
things will pop up and at the time I'll think, oh, this is the hardest decision ever or this is such a stress. But it's always, always, always worked out to be for the best. So mm-hmm. I, I trust in the universe a bit like that. Um, it was a, it was a pretty ma- amazing that this happened to land in my lap at that exact time. It gives me, I've literally got goosebumps yeah, again. It's, it's like these doors open that are so not what you, like, again, your 13-year-old self would have been like, what the <laughs> F? You have just worked your ass off and now you're going on, like, a reality TV show. But at that time, you just, you wouldn't have even imagined the value shift. We'll have those moments now. So it's been four years since I was on the show now, I still have those days, not not in moments, days or weeks where I go, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, why did I do that? You know, I loved my job. I loved Tassie. Um, you know, I'm... I've got this real kind of thing that I'm, I went from being a news anchor to reality TV person, which means surely people won't take me seriously anymore. And I probably need to get over that because I still work in news. You know, they do, but I, I have these days where I just kind of go, oh, you know, that was such a risk and that was so scary and what's that going to mean for my future and, and my career and everything. Um, I don't know, maybe those those insecurities just kind of never leave you. Mm. It and it's scary. almost like reflecting back on a different Georgia. Big time. That's exactly mm. what it feels like. And maybe that's what I mean about like, you know, um, I have those days where I just yearn to be back in Tassie because mm. it, was, it was the last time I felt like, Georgia Love Win News rather than oh, <laughs> Georgia Love Win News. The, the normal person. <laughs> in very much inverted commas. <laughs> that is too funny. But, yeah, I it's something that, you know, these things happen and they shape your life and you just have to go with it. And sometimes if you were to close the door, you know, you never might have ended up where you are. So The Bachelor definitely shaped, you know, you as a person and it changed the course of your life permanently. I mean, you got a fiancé out of it for one, which is incredible. I was like, my career, my career, Lee who? <laughs> <laughs> Emily. Is that? <laughs> Obviously he was the reason. Well, he, I didn't know he was the reason, but that was the reason. Um, and yeah, we're, we're planning a wedding now. So it was not career or not. <laughs> but even that in itself, like finding your life partner and on a reality TV show is like, I know as like, I'm single and I'm kind of like, you know, when will I meet my person? And then for you, it's like, okay, career change. Oh, and meet my person and move states. Like that is a lot. Huge. Yeah. Uh, like never questioned it. So when I did the show, um, Sam Frost and, um, what's his name? Blake Garvey. They were the only couple who weren't together. Every single other couple. They were like Oh, Anna Heinrich and Tim. True. Sam. Alex and Richie. Um, Sam and Sasha were still together then. Wow. Together. Oh, so you were like, oh, this is a slam dunk. I'm, I'm, I'm getting married. I was just like, well, this is just how you meet your person. Like, it's just like, it is. So that first night I wasn't like, oh, my God, this is so scary. Like, you know, is this going to work for me? I was like, right, which one of these boys is going to be my baby? Oh, get out. Yeah. <laughs> I am like blown away by that because I really thought like you would go on there and be like a bit skeptical. Like, how can you know how many guys is it? Thirty? You would be oh, that. I mean, I eighteen. Yeah. And like, be like, how out of this group of guys could I possibly like hit it off so well with someone? Did you know when you met? Oh, that's Lee? what I was going to ask. <laughs> um, 
I mean, yeah, yeah, he was my favorite from night one. But again, because I took it. But did you know he was baby daddy? No, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think because I took it so seriously, I was like, "Well, I want to, I want to play this out." Right. I read what you were saying. I would probably think that now if I went on because so many haven't worked. Yeah. Um, but again, back to what I was saying about like you know the universe has always given me these weird moments, but they've just worked. So I just. It wasn't like I believe the producers know me so well that they will have gone out there and found my person. I just believed in, oh, God, this sounds so wanky. You know, the fate. Oh, that sounds so gross. But I was like, there's got to be a reason this opportunity has randomly landed in my life. Totally. And it's because the universe has randomly put my soulmates this same opportunity in my soulmate's lap as well and that's just Literally. the place that we're going to meet. Because I actually, before going into this podcast, um, I thought that you would have like applied and really pushed for it but I had no idea that it came to you. So I'm totally down with that. Like when things come to you and those doors open, something's up. That just all, I've like got goosebumps. Rachel, just you like, just need to wait for someone to <laughs> fall into my lap. for the bachelorette, okay? <laughs> or Love Island. But you seriously, know. like for everything to just kind of like stack on top of each other, yeah. that is the ultimate as well, like just surrendering to the process. Yeah, I did. And again, probably just young and naive. But I'm glad that I did it that way because it worked. And that's why I took it really seriously as well. You know, I didn't kind of just on the first night go, you know, oh, you're the hottest, so I guess I'll pick you. Like, you know, I, I, I really lent into it. Lee's you're like an investigative journalist. <laughs> exactly. Lee probably would have preferred if I'd just like gone, yep, you on that one, but hey. <laughs> I love that. So since The Bachelorette, you know, that was obviously a big whirlwind in your life. What has come from that life-defining moment apart from Lee, which is, you know, <laughs> awesome? <laughs> oh, um, oh, so much, but also I don't know what's come from it or just what's come since it, you know. Um, a lot of things obviously have come from it and I'm not I'm not ignorant to that. Um, you know, it's, it's given me um, that kind of national profile that I, I wouldn't otherwise have had, um, which has given me opportunities to do lots of things that I never would have. But at the same time, it's hindered me in a lot of things mm. too, which Uh, what I was saying about kind of, you know, career and, you know, being taken seriously and being seen as that news person. Um, Working in news now, it's still four years on. It's really hard because, you know, some days it'll be like, oh, well, you know, she was a bachelorette. It's weird to send her to court for this murder trial. But then other days, you know, I'll be at the, you know, the Dan Andrews state press conference about coronavirus restrictions and, I get that and imposter syndrome. I know this is my job. This is what I'm good at. I know that I am. I know I'm a good journalist, but are people sitting here thinking it's weird that I'm in this press conference? So it has made that side of it harder. But then at the same time, you know, I, I've um, had these amazing opportunities to go to these events that I probably wouldn't otherwise have gone to, to, you know, have travel experience that I wouldn't otherwise have got to, um, so it's it's opened a lot of doors, but it's made some things a bit harder too, I suppose. And I guess the biggest thing that it's opened, not I guess, definitely the biggest thing that it's opened is um, this kind of audience that I've now found myself with. And 
and what I can do with that. So whether that's from, um, you know, using that platform and that audience to uh, work for PanCare, which is the pancreatic cancer charity that you girls know well because you did yes. them um, on the beautiful charity bracelet before. Um, that's a really important thing for me to be able to use my platform and my audience for. But then also on the flip side, you know, I've just started uh, a business and a sleepwear label that I, you know, has been able to be reached by a larger audience than it ever would have otherwise because I have that audience um, as my following. So uh, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that despite that never being the the intention and, and realistically I haven't even used that for four years. But it's kind of mm. that audience is still there four years on. I, I'm still kind of not sure what I'm doing every day because my life's such a whirlwind and, and four years on I've gone, yeah, no, I should probably, should probably use that audience for something. I love it. I love it. But it makes me so upset though, knowing that you have this, you know, kind of imposter syndrome, because it's like, you are incredible at what you do. And the bachelor was just this one little pocket of it. But if only people could see 13 year old Georgia, who has worked her ass off and been so dedicated to becoming, you know, Mm. a TV producer and journalist. And it's just like, how, how has that, you know, been warped from one moment in your life? But I think, you know, again, it's just a phase and it will keep keep going but what I want to know is where did the pajamas come from yeah um so I've thought forever I'm a massive like pajama crazy lady I've got two huge pajama drawers I've always <laughs> had them everyone always laughs at me about how much I love pajamas I got a job at a pajama retailer when I was going through uni so I could get the staff discount not the other <laughs> I'm obsessed. I always have been. Um, And I've always, always, always thought and said out loud, there's a massive gap between your, you know, kind of um, like bigger retailers that have the kind of hold on the market and are quite expensive, Mm -hmm. good quality, but they're quite expensive. and, And a lot of people can't afford, you know, $150 $150 for a pair of PJs. Mm. There's nothing really until you go down to the kind of, you know, cheaper, mass-produced brands and stores as well. There's just, and and the, the quality matches that too, right? Yeah. So true. I always say, God, there's such a gap for someone doing good quality stuff, but just for just a little lower price point. Um, I've said that for years and years and years. And as I said, four years on from The Bachelor, I've still kind of got this weird like, oh, who am I? Am I going to, you know, have a, a job in media forever? I don't know. It's scary. Um, and my best friend um, is an entrepreneur. She's she started four businesses of her own. Um, and I just kind of had this not epiphany. It's not epiphany at all. I just said I've been thinking about it for years. I was like the opposite of epiphany. <laughs> I just said to her, I was like, I've had this idea for years. I've got a, an audience on social media and I've got a platform to be able to talk to people. Should I do this? Should I, like, fill that gap in the market? Because I know I'll kick myself if someone else does one day and I say, oh, I should have done that. I've been talking about that for years. So um, we kind of just put our brains together, her, hers being the businessy one and me with the idea and, and the marketing knowledge and, and the audience. Um and we just thought, well, let's try. So we've actually been working on it since last year. We were planning um, like a summer collection to launch with, so kind of more like girly, like pretty little shorts and singlets and things like that. And we were ready to launch 
in about April and then COVID hit. Oh. And it felt a bit, I don't know, something felt a bit yucky about like the whole world losing their jobs and then some bloody influencer coming out and going, well, that's fine, I'm giving myself another job, I've already got 18, but like I want to sell you things now. It just felt, it just felt really wrong. Obviously I'm not thinking that, but I thought that's what people would think of me. Um, so we parked it and just kind of put it on hold for a little while. Um, but then COVID kept going. Mm. And I had this idea about the fact that no one in the world is traveling overseas right now, which means no one's flying, which means no one's getting their favorite comfy oversized airline pajamas. Mm. So we pivoted the thinking and thought, well, can we do that? Can that be our reason for doing it now? Everyone's at home. Everyone wants to be comfy. Everyone's spending all day in their PJs. And this is a a clever reason to launch. It's a product that people don't already have. It's not just another pair of PJs. You know, there's something unique about it. Um, So we really quickly shifted our thinking and then developed this range of, um, yeah, like a take on your airline PJs. And that's really funny. I love it. It's it's so funny because we we have this one influencer that we follow and she's always wearing her Qantas Qantas PJs. And we're like, oh, I would love a pair of those, but I don't fly first class or whatever. (laughs) It's almost like you brought first class to everyone's homes and I love it. That's exactly it because, I mean, who can fly first class? So, you know, there's people wearing these, these Pontus pyjamas, like kind of showing off that they've yeah. been on this class. I'm like, well, I prefer mine that say Mile High Club anyway. That's funny. Exactly. <laughs> so that is so much, and as well, like, not at the first class price. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason you go first class to get the pyjamas. And see, what what I want to know is, um, Alpha and Rachel and I, like, we have, like, 100 business ideas, and honestly, like, we get so excited, and then we're like, nope, squirrel, like, we're getting excited by, like, shiny things. Um, like, how do you do it all? <laughs> like, how do you balance everything? How do you still have a fiancé? <laughs> I'm not sure. They bring his name into the business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where we snuffed up. It locks him in. <laughs> I love that maybe, like, I didn't re- I didn't actually realise I was doing that. <laughs> Subconsciously, that's what I was doing. Babe, you're a part of this now. There is no escaping. <laughs> linked forever. Um, I, I've always been a workaholic big time. I think that probably came from, you know, wanting to be in journalism and knowing that that takes a lot of work and that there are a thousand people vying for every job. So you need to stand out. I've always been a workaholic um, and I don't like sitting still. And then probably part of it has come from the fact that working, going into media, especially into broadcast and TV in this day and age, everyone tells you, there's no future in TV news. There's no future. There's a backup plan. Everyone always. So there's probably something always in the back of my head going like future proof, do a thousand things just in case one of them falls apart. Maybe that's back to the imposter syndrome. Like, Oh, one day they'll realize I'm not good enough for this. So I better do something else. I I don't know. I've just, I hate sitting still. Apparently I hate sleep. (laughs) ironic for having a sleepwear business (laughs) wants to be awake when wearing pajamas (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I just uh, I thought you know stuff it as I said if someone else does this and and fills this gap I've seen in the market I'll probably kick myself for thinking that for so long so I thought well I'll try um you know the, the the dream would probably be for it to to take off so much that it is my main thing and and that becomes my job which is scary in itself too, because I love media and I love news, but, um, 
you know, I, I really love this and I've, I've found myself so excited about this more than I have been for anything in a while, which is, um, which is really nice. That is so so exciting. And like every time a sale comes through that excitement, like, wow, someone's buying into my dream vision. Yeah. The dream. You girls will absolutely know this. That little quote, um, that says whenever you buy from a small business, an actual person does a little happy dance. Like literally, it's the best feeling in the, it is the best feeling in the world knowing that someone has decided to part with their money to support Mm. something you've done. But more than that, it's they've seen your product. They've gone, I want that. And I'm, and I'm going to put my hard earned money into that. And it is just the biggest dopamine hit. It is the, it's the most exciting feeling in the world. It's like kind of warm feeling of, Oh my God, someone likes it. it." And then seeing, seeing people wearing your designs is always the coolest thing. In it, the it is so crazy. It. I remember, um, like, just in Hobart when we had our first signature pendant, and it was just like walking down the street and seeing people wearing it. You kind of like, oh! And to this day, when I see someone walking around the city holding a Francesca bag. I'm like, that is just crazy. Like, I don't know them. They're not my friend's sympathy buying. Like, they literally (laughs) went into the shop and chose to buy that design. Exactly. Oh, look, I've got Francesca. I saw them. I was like, the Ola studs, they're so nice. It's so true. Like, I think that, you know, consumers are starting to realise as well where they spend their money and time really does matter because, you know, those I remember on our um, sales app, we'd get like a cha-ching, like notification. Do you know the one that I mean? Shopify. Um, yeah, Shopify. Every time, like we would get a sale, like back back in the day, and we, you know, we would be in the trenches, literally doing everything and working our butts off, and it would be like, wow, that's like that. They don't know that they don't know what what the joy that they're that bringing brings. And it's so it's so interesting, and it's something that you know, like we. I think we need to come back to that. And I think that you, you know, launching such a great business during a really hard time is, is amazing. Oh, thank you. I, th- I think it's really interesting too, because um, a lot of people think that, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of personalities or influencers that have their face or even their name to a brand or a product or whatever it might be. And I think a lot of people think probably because a lot of them do just put their face and their name to it. They're more of an ambassador of it. So I think that a lot of people probably think, you know, I'm, I'm the face of this brand, but it's, I've got a whole team working, um, you know, but behind it. It's literally just me and my best friend. We hand pack every single order. I designed them all myself. It is the only thing we have outsourced. The only thing is the literal manufacturing of the pajamas. I love it. Everything ourselves. So when a sale comes through, that little ching noise happens on my phone. <laughs> and I go to our in inverted commas warehouse, which is my garage, <laughs> and literally pack the pajamas into the calico bag. I put them in the box. Put little gifts that go in there. We close it up. I put the sticker on, and I say to every single one, "Thank you, whoever it is, for buying." You know, um, you like a little tag being like, "This this was touched by Georgia." <laughs> <laughs> that is, I love that. 
Because even I was like, you know, do you have a team behind this? But the fact that you're literally packing these pajamas and you did everything, I don't think um, people who have, you know, who haven't gone into the realm of starting a business understand just how many tiny little tasks there are yeah. to, you know, from the design to the packaging. Like there are a thousand million things to do, and you know, it is such a big process. And to do that, you know, what has been one of your moments where you're like, whoa, this is like, there's a lot to do, like. Um, probably, oh God, a lot. There's been a lot of my events. The biggest was probably um, waking up. So we launched at 7 p.m. one night, um, and then they're like, all right, we won't we won't pack any orders tonight. Like we'll sit down and like cheers with a glass of champagne and kind of go, well done, this is awesome. And then we'll, we'll start packing the next morning. Um, and it really like it went. It was so amazing. It just went so crazy that first night. Um, so then we woke up the next morning. We're like, right, let's get Did started. You, you woke up? I would not have been out because <laughs> we were so exhausted from the like <laughs> adrenaline of that day. Um, so like, right, okay, let, let's start packing. Let's print out the orders. And then this, the the stick like labels started printing and we kept printing and kept printing and kept printing. And we're like, oh shit! And then we worked out that it takes about four minutes to pack every box. Yeah, we looked at how many labels there were and how many boxes we had to pack. And the fact it was two of us, you know, we couldn't even ask our friends or partners or anything to help us pack. So we totally. stayed down. That is so crazy. And we just went oh, holy shit, we've got to do this all ourselves, don't we? So we didn't sleep for the next three nights. But it was the best feeling. Like, it was the best so feeling. fun. But, um, yeah, we kind of had had all these ideas of, you know, we want to put them in gift boxes. So, um, you know, it's, it's a nice experience to open them. We want to take them out of the, you know, the plastic from the yeah. back, put them in a calico bag. We want to include little mini champagnes and nuts like when you're on the plane. These are all such good ideas in theory. And so expensive. <laughs> yes. yeah, so expensive. And until you've got to pack them out by hand every totally. time. Oh, God, what have we done? <laughs> that, that is so like, real. It's like um, a high-flying news presenter and bachelorette now packaging um, <laughs> calico bags. Yeah, but not even high-flying because that's why I need to make my own airline pajamas. <laughs> I love it. It's just so like, and this is the thing, you know. Last episode, we when Rachel and I interviewed each other, we were talking about how you know a lot of these people on the TV are just normal people, and you know we want to encourage our followers to to like to aim high, you know, to to aim for that first class ticket if they want it. And it's just so refreshing to hear from you, you know, like you're you're putting in the hard work to get this up up and running. And that's the thing. So many, I think, a lot of the time people look in and think there's like you know maybe you're getting a whole heap of help to start this business and just to know that you are like on the ground packing the orders making everything happen is just so inspiring for you know anyone looking in that you know that's what you've created yeah thank you for saying that that's really nice it is true you know it's so easy to think that especially someone who's on tv there's something about that that makes you think that they're not real or, um, you know, that they're, that they're super rich or that they've got this amazing life. That's also not the case either. So not only is, is it me and Jess on the ground doing the work, it's our money that went into it. So my wedding savings are in this business. <laughs> about not being able to get married this year like we wanted to is like well I've got these savings sitting my in my account so we'd better make it back <laughs> no it's literally I, I don't have you know sorry Lee we're going to the Hobart town hall <laughs> exactly 
<laughs> might not even make it to Hobart at this point. Um, but yeah, it's like literally at like my, my savings and my, my money in there too. It's not just even the work side of it. It is. And that's the scary, that is the hardest thing about starting a business is deciding to actually do it. So many people with so many amazing ideas and they think I can't do it. You can, you can, anyone, anyone can do it. It's just that about taking that risk and, um, you know, being willing to, to do the scary things, like put your own money into it and know that you won't make it back for a while. It's you yeah. know, really realistic that, that you would make it back straight away. But they're, they're the scary parts of it. But, um, you know, if you've got the ball, oh no, I was going to say, if you've got the balls, I hate that saying. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any. <laughs> We've got the boobs. <laughs> I love it. And, and you know what? You are so right in that another, like another um, misconception is that, oh, wow, you know, that business is big. Um, you know, it's just like I'm going to start a business tomorrow and be profitable. It takes years and reinvesting and, you know, making mistakes. And that's the biggest thing that we say when people are like, oh, I've got this business idea. I'm like, oh, well, you've got to be willing to like work for nothing and really love it before you get a dollar back. But it's, it's, it's harsh, but it's like, I wish, of it. yeah, you know, it's, it's reality. Oh, you need to realize it too. Cause if people think that, you know, okay, I've, I've saved up 20 grand. I'm going to put that into my business. And you know, in six months time, I'll be able to go on a holiday. No, you won't. No. <laughs> Yeah. And it's the same, I guess, with, you know, you being that dream presenter, how many years did it take until you got that job? How many crappy jobs in regional Victoria? Victoria? (laughs) And it's like, you know, like sometimes we need to tell these stories so that people don't just see the Instagram life and think, oh, I don't have that right now. I'm sad. And I think that's the biggest thing at the moment, you know, like sharing those stories of grit that like you don't expect it to happen tomorrow. You're not going to be an influencer tomorrow. You have to put in the hard work. And as well, I think it's one of those things, then you truly can sit back and be like, yeah, I did that. Mm. Yeah. And, and it is for yourself feeling like that, hearing that chiching on the Shopify app, <laughs> you know, I, I did that. We did that. That's my, my wedding money sitting there <laughs> doing that and, um, you're so right about the, the misconception about about making the money back. We um, so our the sets that were the, the airline sets retail for ninety nine dollars a set. This mm. box, um, and I did this post, um, you know, after the first couple of, of weeks of the business, saying like, I'm so overwhelmed. Thank you all for your support. It's been huge. We had over five hundred orders. Like this is unbelievable. And I've had so many people say to me like, Oh my god, I can't believe you've already made fifty thousand dollars. Oh no! That's the five hundred orders, ninety nine dollars. That's amazing. You've got fifty thousand dollars in there. Oh honey, no, that's not how it works. And do, but you know what? It's, it's actually I'll just share. You share this though because it is it's an exercise that we do in in our work and um as a team because it's so important and financial literacy is something that you know you don't even learn at school I don't think but we honestly so we have stores right and we the our team can see sales come through the door and they might they might rightfully so be like whoa we did 50 grand like you know this week blah 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 and that is what most people think they're like wow like that's 
that's 50 nearly, grand in the pocket. That's that's a house deposit right there. But what we do is, and it's really interesting, we, we started, it was from another business that came in and did some workshopping with us. We got them to actually fill in this pie chart. You'll love this. So it's a pie chart and then there's like big wedges and then tiny little slithers and things like that. And we got all of the girls to sit down and, you know, say like put in where you think rent is, put in where you think profit is, put in where you think wages are, blah, blah, blah. And they all filled it out. And like rightfully so, I would have been exactly the same. They put the biggest um, chunk as profit, right? And then we showed them reality. And like I I think I had to like lift all their jaws off the ground. <laughs> and it was like, well, actually in reality, a, a great business is like maybe 5% of the pie is profit. And someone told me once that McDonald's is the most profitable franchise in the world and they're 15%. So actually, you know, that $50,000 might have been like, if you're really killing it, like McDonald's, seven and a half grand. And obviously they're averages, but like just by sharing that, people have this appreciation for like, man, like to earn $50,000 as a salary, if if you go off the industry standards, you need to have a million dollars of sales. Yeah. No, we're not quite there. (laughs) May I put on the record? (laughs) Yeah. But But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things that, you know, we so, we are so fast to assume someone else's position and then project jealousy and you know I'm hard done by or whatever man there's days where Rachel and I like pulling our hair out and we're like why can't we just have a nine to five job you know like why can't we just go home and just you know sleep and it's one of those things that I think the more that we share the more that we actually are real and you know show like I love that story like not many people would think that you get that comment back after saying 5,000 pairs of pajamas I just, I, I love it. And I think like your, your um, vulnerability and your willingness to show, you know, the good and bad, I have always admired. Oh, thank you so much. I, I just think it's really important. I think the the Instagram world in particular, and I don't even just mean Instagram, I mean the world we are in at the moment that is so revolved around those kind of things. Um, people can spend their whole lives thinking they're not good enough and that everyone else is easier and that everyone's got it better and everyone's happier than them. And most of the time that's bullshit. That's just mm-hmm. what we project. That's the filters that we put on. It's the photos that we choose to share. You know, people aren't posting photos when they're screaming at their partner to empty the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. But that, that happens, you know, it's, it's um, that's on a smaller level. That's a, <coughs> excuse me, a, you know, day-to-day small thing, but also, you know, the business owners, Pip Edwards from PE Nation is, is not sharing when she's pulling her hair out, um, you know, sitting on the floor trying to design something or, you know, when she was packing boxes in her garage, everyone just thinks that it comes easily. It just doesn't happen. And I think there is only benefit in showing people that and telling people that and, you know, it can be inspiring and it can just make people feel better about their own lives. You know, if you come home from your nine-to-five job, today and you're steaming vegetables and think listening to this podcast thinking like oh you know I've, I've got this and this girl's got you know these five jobs and she's doing this and she's smashing it rah, rah, rah. you're smashing it too you've got mm-hmm. a great you're there you're, you're running your your house everyone everyone is is killing it and everyone is struggling yeah I love it. that are realistic about life 
So true. It makes me want to show more behind behind the scenes. Yeah. You are incredible and the journey you've been on is phenomenal. Georgia, we always end our podcast by asking our guests, you know, looking back at your life so far and the life-defining moments, what would you tell your 16-year-old self if you could sit her in a room and just say, this is how it's going to be? Oh, God. How long do I have to talk to her? <laughs> um, I think just trust the... I never want to say the word journey because I was on reality TV. That's like, not <laughs> really trust the journey. You know, you, you don't don't just set your sights on one thing. I think that's one thing I've really done through my life. Um, even though I always had that goal to be a newsreader, I didn't just set my sights on that because if I'd had my mind closed to everything else, then you know, who, who knows where I'd be today. Um, so trust the journey. There'll be big decisions that you think are going to be life ending, <clears throat> but they're, they're the best you'll ever make. Um, and you'll marry a really hot guy. So well done you. Yay. Again. <laughs> You're awesome. I absolutely loved having you on and hearing your stories. And I think that everyone's going to get such a kick out of listening to you. I think you're the best value and everyone go on and join the mile high club. Yeah. That's your plan. Yes. I'm going to do it. Literally Hannah was just like, I'm going to do it tonight. And I'm like, oh, she's like, that sounded really, thanks for listening to our podcast it's who i am don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below you can also connect with us on instagram at francesca.com.au and facebook